uh, ask you to turn with me to Ephesians 6 this morning as we continue our our study, our series on the family. And this passage is brief, but very, very important as we are looking at what God's Word has to say to every member of the family. And uh, the message this morning is uh, directed toward children. And so we'll see what God has to say to children today. But Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. So after you have found Ephesians 6, stand. Let's read it together. And uh, you follow along your Bibles. We read it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray this morning that uh, you would help us to understand the principles of your word that apply to the family. Help us to be uh, people that uh, are ready and quick to desire to design our homes and our families around what your word says. And Lord, we pray especially today that there will be a good heart, good attitude and reception of your word, your truths uh, from children toward their parents. And Lord, we uh, pray this morning that you would just help us as we worship, that our hearts would be right toward you, that our uh, praise would be with gratitude, and Lord, we would just uh, respond to the fact that uh, you have saved us by your grace, that we don't deserve your love, your salvation, and yet you have given it freely to us through Christ. And so, Lord, help us to worship you with the right heart. And Lord, we ask for you to bless every aspect of our worship, our giving, our singing, our uh, study of your word. our service to you, everything that we do that would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, uh, today we ask for these needs. We we pray especially for our brother Bob. And Lord, we just thank you that he knows you and he's ready to go be with you. And so, Lord, we just pray you sustain him and be near to him uh, through these last days. And Lord, we just pray that you would just uh, help us as a family, that we would minister him to him and do what we need to do in that regard. We thank you for the love of Christ that we all have toward one another, that we are brothers and sisters in you, and we have a loving church family, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, bless now as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Six-year-old Molly was complaining to her mommy that her stomach was hurting. Realizing it was lunchtime, her mom told her that she had a stomach ache because her stomach was empty. She said, you'll feel much better when you put something in it. Later that evening, the pastor came over for a visit. And during the conversation, he mentioned that he had a headache. Molly blurted out, that's because it's empty. You would feel much better if you would put something in it. Kids can say the funniest things. A burst of thunder caused a little three-year-old to race into her parents' bedroom. Mommy, I'm scared, she said. Her sleepy mother responded by saying, 
go back to your bed. God will be with you. She stopped at the doorway and thought for a moment. Then she said, how about I sleep in here with Daddy and you go in there with God? Kids can also be very frustrating at times, as you know. I remember hearing about a lady one time who had offered to take care of the six-year-old daughter of a friend. And after spending the night at the lady's house, the woman was up preparing breakfast for the young girl. And when she brought out a plate full of eggs and ham, the little girl said, my mom always fixes me biscuits. So the lady went back into the kitchen and fixed some biscuits for the girl. But when she brought them to the table, the girl said, no, thank you. In amazement, the woman said, I thought you said that your mother always fixes you biscuits. She said, she does, but I don't eat them. Well, children can be a real joy, and sometimes not, but they are a part of the way God has created the family. And God has a word here to both children and parents. And for the last several weeks, we have been focusing on successful family living, and this section of Ephesians is the most extensive passage in the New Testament on that subject. Ephesians 5:18 to 6:4 describes what the family can be like if each member of the family is a believer in Jesus Christ and is continually being filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Marriages can be the way God intended for marriage to be before the fall and the ensuing curse. Parents and children can have the kind of relationship that honors God and bears witness to His grace. So today we're going to continue that series by dealing with what God has to say to children. Verse 1 simply says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now that sounds simple enough, but we need to clarify it. A little bit. First of all, the word for children there is not used to speak of an infant or a baby. There is another Greek word for that, but this is a broader term that refers to all offspring. But I believe the idea here basically is anyone who is still under the roof of their parents has a responsibility to obey them. The word for obey here is the word hupakao. It is important to note it is different from the word that is used in reference to wives submitting to their husbands. There the word is hupotasso and means a voluntary submission born of love and devotion. But this word means obedience from a sense of duty. In other words, the Bible says it is the duty of children to obey their parents. This obedience has nothing at all to do with whether you feel like obeying or not. This is an obligation that children 
have. You know, we live in a day in which there are many who would like to liberate children children out from under the authority of their parents. But God's Word says the exact opposite. Children are to get under the authority of their parents and obey them. That is God's design. And of course, it is right here where some will want to point to some kind of yeah, but, or to raise the question of unworthy parents. And Paul is going to deal with parents next. But this is, generally speaking, God's design for children. I mean, just read the book of Proverbs. At least 12 times in the book of Proverbs, we are clearly taught that children are to get under the authority of their parents. This is the basic standard for children. Now, we could go a lot of different ways with this this morning. But what I'd like to do today is to give you four primary reasons why children should obey their parents. And these are reasons, I believe, that should resonate with anyone who is a born-again child of God. The first reason is because it is reflective of Christ. It is reflective of Christ. Notice verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul is saying that this obedience is in the sphere of serving, pleasing, honoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. This obedience is for His honor. Colossians 3.20 puts it this way, Children, be obedient to your your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. That's about as clear as it can be. It is very pleasing to the Lord when children obey their parents. And by the way, that implies that we could turn that around. It is not pleasing to the Lord when children disobey their parents. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way before, but in Matthew 3.17, we have the account of when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And after he was baptized, the Bible says that there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was God the Father well pleased with His Son, Jesus? Think about it. At this point, Jesus had not performed any miracles. At this point, He had not called out any disciples to follow Him. At this point, He had not performed any of His earthly ministry. But God the Father said He was well pleased with Him. Why? Well, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I think it was because Jesus had shown perfect obedience to his earthly parents. Luke 2, 41 to 52, tells us that at age 12, Jesus and his parents traveled to Jerusalem. And Jesus was permitted to go into the temple with the men. In fact, you might want to turn with me to 
uh, Luke chapter 2 for just a moment to see this account. Luke chapter 2. You know the story. Jesus was so consumed in his dialogue with the rabbis that he did not see the traveling party leave. And since they typically traveled in large groups, his parents did not realize for quite some time that he was not with the group. And of course, when they came to realize that, they went back to Jerusalem and they found him in the temple. And he said to them in the King James Version, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Verse 50 tells us that they did not fully grasp that. But verse 51 tells us, And he went down with them, and he came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. Now think about this. Here is the divine Son of God being obedient to human parents. Here is the perfect, sinless Son of God being subject to sinful, weak human parents. And on the basis of this, God the Father said, In Him I am well pleased. And by the way, if you continue on in that passage, we see four ways in which the Bible says that Jesus grew. And we see that in verse 52. And if you think about it, these are four areas in which children lack. First of all, children lack in wisdom. Verse 52 says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. This is an area children lack in. Children lack discretion. They lack instruction. They lack understanding. These are things that must be taught to them. And this, of course, is a primary responsibility for parents. Secondly, children lack stature. Now, this is the most obvious, but children need to grow physically. And parents have the responsibility to provide for their children physically and to help them grow. And it is amazing what happens to them when you feed them, especially when they get to be teenagers. Thirdly, children lack favor with men. Children must learn social skills and become socially adept. They have to be taught how to carry on a conversation and how to interact with other people of all ages. This is not something that they will just pick up on their own. This has to be taught to them by their parents. And I could probably spend a whole sermon just on this one thing. But it includes things like teaching them common courtesies. And how to honor others. You see, the most dominant thing about children is they come out of the womb with a self-centered orientation. That has to be trained out of them. They must be taught to share. 
They must be taught to be polite. They must be taught to respect the property of others. They must be taught humility, etc., etc. And by the way, I'm really concerned about children learning social skills in the midst of this generation that's being raised on electronic gadgets. But I'll have to deal with that later on. Fourthly, children lack favor with God. Children don't naturally love God. They have to be taught to love God. That's why Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's not a guarantee, but it is a basic truth. If you train a child to love God, he will likely love God his entire life. And by the way, the word for old there means 40 years old. So if you're 40, you know. This also means, basically what this is saying is much later in life when they're adults, they're going to keep loving the Lord. Why? Because you've taught them to do that. You've trained them in this. Now, I know that this morning we're looking at children obeying their parents, and we haven't gotten to Paul's instruction to parents yet. But listen, parents have a great responsibility to see that their children are growing in all four of these areas. If we don't provide for the spiritual, physical, social and mental growth of our children, we may end up with what the Bible calls a generation who curses his father and does not bless his mother that are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed of their filthiness. That's Proverbs 30, verses 11 and 12. And by the way, the the book of Proverbs graphically declares that God does not take rebellion against the authority of parents lightly. It gives a graphic picture of this. Proverbs 30, verse 17 says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the eagles will eat it. Now, I haven't read recently of a rebellious child being attacked by ravens or eagles. But the point is that God will judge in his own time and way those who rebel against the authority of their parents. Young people, this is not something you should take lightly. God knows where you are, and he knows how to take care of your rebellion Well, we have to move along quickly. There's a second reason why children should obey their parents, not only because it is reflective of Christ, but children should obey their parents because it is right. It is right. Verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That phrase means there's a certain order of creation. There is a specific way that things are to be done. God has created human beings 
in such a way that his law is written on our hearts. There are certain truths that we simply know because we are human beings created in God's image. This is one of those things we inherently understand. The order of God's creation is that parents have children, children do not have parents. The order of creation is such that parents are to care for and instruct their children, and children are to obey their parents. This is right. You say, but where is all the psychological evidence? Who did the case studies? Where is the expert's opinion? Hey, we don't need any of that because God says it's right, and if God says it's right, it's right. God is the one who establishes what is right and what is wrong, and he has declared it is right for children to obey their parents. This is his word on it. You know, I read an interesting article by Dennis Rainey one time about a vacation that he went on with his children and his parents. And as Dennis's father observed how his grandchildren artfully manipulated their parents, he took a piece of paper and he wrote down some fatherly advice. Here's what he wrote. Exactly what part of the word no do you not understand? Dennis said he got the message loud and clear. But later he gave this some more thought. Why is it that children have such a tough time with the word no? And he came up with two important reasons. First, because it is a child's nature. It is the nature of children to press issues, to rebel, to ignore, to challenge resist, defy, or to flat out disobey. Proverbs 22:15 says, "Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him." It is the nature of children to test his parents, and it is the responsibility of the parents to discipline that child so they will learn self-control and respect. And if you really love your child, you will do exactly that. You know, I once read a very interesting article from the Minnesota Crime Commission. This is a secular group that focuses on rising crime rates. Several years ago, they published an article that said, in part, quote, every baby starts life as completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy. Deny him these just once and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. This means that all children, not just some children, are born delinquent. If permitted, we call that, by the way, the sin nature, but if permitted to continue in the self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, 
every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, or a rapist, in quotes. Wow. That's exactly what Proverbs 22.15 implies. Isn't it amazing how secular research comes to the same conclusion that the Word of God declares? And the message is clear. We, as parents, must train our children away from self-centeredness. They must be trained to follow God's instruction. It is the nature of a child that will cause him to have difficulty with the word no. But there is another reason why no is tough for children, and that is because of a parent's nurture. You see, too often, the real problem is not with the sin nature of the child, it's with the failure of the parent. James Montgomery Boyce writes, the obligation is not merely on the side of the child who must obey, but also on the side of the parent who must enforce the obedience. This is because the parent stands as God in relationship to the child. To teach the child to obey the parent is to teach the child to obey God. And to teach the child to defy the parent is to teach the child to defy God. Oftentimes, it is the failure of parents to enforce obedience that is the real problem. For example, too often, we as parents have taught our children through our inconsistency, that no doesn't always mean no. Sometimes it means maybe. In fact, when our kids were young, they had a little saying. And it went like this. No means maybe, and maybe means yes. Of course, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Children learn to become master manipulators. If they don't get their way the first time, they'll come back and try a second, third, or even fourth pass. If they can't get what they want through their superior logic, they'll just pester us until we give in. Why do they do this? I'll tell you why. Because it works. It works. If no doesn't always mean no, they will learn very quickly that there are ways to manipulate it into a yes. So in this way, we would have to say that the problem is not with the children, but with the lack of consistency in the parents. But let's move to a third reason why children should obey their parents, because it is respectful. It is respectful. Look with me at Ephesians 6, 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. This is not a request or a suggestion. This is a command. This is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. This is the first command that deals with man's relationship with others. And as it says here, it is the first command that carries a promise with it. Now, we'll come back to that last part in just a moment. But notice that it is the only one of the Ten Commandments that deals with family relationships. Why is that? 
Well, I can only speculate, but I think it is because this is the one key to all the other family relationships. Because if a person grows up in a, with a sense of obedience, discipline, reverence, and respect for his parents, then he will be someone who will be able to make every other relationship in the family work as well. On the other hand, if he has not learned to respect and obey his parents, he's going to have trouble in all other human relationships. This principle is fundamental to every other relationship. It is obedience to parents that trains children to be submissive to every other authority, including God himself. And it is under the training and discipline of parents that children are prepared to live orderly lives in this world. John MacArthur writes, Children who respect and obey their parents will build a society that is ordered, harmonious, and productive. A generation of undisciplined, disobedient children will produce a society that is chaotic and destructive. Hmm. Think we might be there? And one other important thing to note about the placement of this fifth commandment is that it it seems to serve as a bridge between those commandments that relate to God and the ones that apply to human relationships. It is as if this is saying that obedience to parents is the divine bridge between God and men. Or another way of saying this is to say that our parents are God's representatives. And so that when we honor and obey our parents, we honor and obey God. Now, the word for honor there means to reverence, to hold in awe, or to value at a high price. Honor is the attitude behind the act. The act is obedience, but the attitude is honor. Listen, kids, not only are you supposed to obey your parents, but you're to do so without bellyaching, griping, or complaining about it. You're to show honor to your parents by respecting them and showing them that respect through obedience. And an important aspect of the word honor, biblically, is to attach great worth to someone. This means you should value greatly your relationship with them. By faith, you are to trust that these are the people that God has sovereignly placed over you, and you are to value that greatly. Understand something here. Your parents may not be Christians. They may be the worst parents in the world. They may be a long ways from being the kinds of parents that God wants them to be. But you are still to honor and obey them. And by the way, you're not to stop honoring them when you leave home. Of course, there's going to come a day when you will become an adult and you will leave home and you will no longer be under their authority in the same way. But even when you leave home, you should still continue to honor your parents. Blogger Tim Challies has a whole series of articles on these commandments. 
which he calls the forgotten commandment. And most of what he writes has to do with obeying this command as an adult. And he deals with issues such as whether we have a financial obligation to our parents and other ways in which we should continue to honor our parents even after we are grown. He writes, there's something deep within us that hears a commandment and immediately searches for the exception clause. But you don't know my parents. But my parents disowned me. But my parents were abusive, etc., etc. But he makes the wise observation that honor takes on different forms and adapts to different situations, but we must deal with the principle before we can deal with the exceptions. He says, I don't mean to excuse or downplay horrific experiences, but before we can do anything else, we need to understand and admit this. There is no if attached to the fifth commandment. We must honor parents. There are no exceptions. In fact, he gives six practical ways that we can honor our parents as adults, and the first one is to forgive them. Forgive them. There are no perfect parents, and all parents need to be forgiven to one degree or another for their failures in parenting. And if you have been wounded by your parents in some way, one of the best ways that you can honor them is by forgiving them. Forgiving them. You need to extend grace to them as a believer in Jesus Christ. And taking this to the next step, you should also honor them by refusing to ever speak evil of them. You know, our world may tell us that it's therapeutic to air out our dirty laundry, but the Bible warns us that we are to honor all those in authority over us, and that includes our parents. In fact, we cannot miss the reality that under Old Testament law, the penalty for someone who cursed his parents was that of being stoned to death. And I'm not suggesting we go back under the Old Testament law that we stone anyone, but I am suggesting that this principle still carries over for New Testament Christians. The principle has to do with speaking well of our parents rather than evil. The Bible also talks about honoring parents by taking care of them in their old age. In Psalm 71, 9, David wrote, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. We're to honor our parents, even as adults, by giving them the assurance that we will not forsake them in their old age. And in the same way they cared for us when we were young, so we should take care of them when they are old. Jesus sharply rebuked the Pharisees in Mark 7 for refusing to take care of aging parents. Charlie says, this is our responsibility and it ought to be our joy. And interestingly, he goes on to say, at a time when 
millions of elderly adults are living alone, consigned to nursing homes, cared for by professionals rather than family members, Christians have the opportunity to display special honor. I mean, that should be a witness to the world. We're different. Of course, I know there are certain situations in which this kind of professional care is needed. But Kent Hughes observes there is still a Christian obligation for hands-on, loving care. He says nurses may be employed, but there still must be more. The care cannot be done by proxy. Emotional neglect and abandonment is not an option. For such conduct, the Bible says, is worse than death of an unbeliever. So this commandment has ramifications for us, even as adults. Even though the obedience part is primarily for when we are still under their roof. Challies has one article called Momentary Obedience Forever Honor. The obedience applies just for a time, but the honor applies for the length of life. But there's one last thing that we need to see in this passage. There's one last reason why children are to obey their parents, and that is because it is rewarding. It's rewarding. Look at verse 2 again. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. What is the promise? Verse 3, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Why is the fifth commandment so important that God would attach a special promise to this one? Is because it is the key to all other human relationships. In fact, it is the vehicle for passing on righteousness to future generations. Here is the principle of verse 3. Sin will always rob you, but obedience will always enrich you. It is always best for you to obey. In fact, according to God's Word, there's a special promise of wellness and blessing that comes from being obedient to your parents and honoring them. The phrase, that it may be well with you, deals with the quality of life. God's promising a fuller, richer life. And the phrase, that you may live long, deals with the quantity of life. Both are included in this promise. A full and rich life is promised to those who learn the principle of submission to earthly parents. Of course, this is not some kind of guarantee that you won't get hit by a car or die of an early age. The promise has more to do with the fact that if you follow God's way, you will have His blessing. His ways are always best. And when you do things His way, you end up with His best. Our lives are blessed and fulfilled as a result. You know, I read 
an interesting article one time about bats. You probably are aware that bats fly by use of something called echolocation. They rapidly emit from their mouths high-pitched and high-frequency sounds that can, uh, can tell how close they are flying to other objects by the time that it takes for those echoes to bounce back to them. Interestingly, the uh, experimenters have tried to confuse the bats by making other noises louder than the sounds that the bats make. But amazingly, the bats tune out all the other sounds and focus only on the ones they themselves make. Even when man-made sounds are 2,000 times louder than those a bat makes, he is able to pick out his own echoes and stay on course. That's what we need to do with God's principles. We need to tune into what He has said and only what He has said. And we need to tune out all the other noise that the world gives around us and do things God's way. What about you this morning? What is your heart attitude toward your parents? Are you submissive to their authority? Do you have a desire to honor them? Do you need this morning to go and ask for their forgiveness or to forgive them or something? Do you need to make that relationship right in some way? Simple command. Not always easy to follow. But this is what spirit-filled Christians do. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to follow your pattern, do things your way, and to tune out all the noise around us and to focus only on what you say. Because by faith, we believe that your way is always best. And we want the best. So, Lord, help us to be wise to do that. And, Lord, help us as parents. We want to be consistent. Help us to do that. It's not easy. It's a great responsibility. And, Lord, we pray for children this morning. There would always be a heart of submission, a heart of of, um, obedience and respect. And, Lord, I pray that that would help us to have the kind of families that honor you. So, Lord, help us to take these truths and apply them today for your sake, for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray.